This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to yeah. bring something like this to life. And yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend <laughs> that I don't right Hold now. it in, hold on. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. <laughs> Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. Oof. I remember, what was that? <laughs> say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. <laughs> Dips inside and hits. Oh, what a, what a goal! Right, that is from Ross Wallace. Chris Waddle, is he going to have a crack? Oh, he does, it's good! Anything Paul Gascoigne can do, Chris Waddle can do. One by Stephen Fletcher back towards Adam Rich! Listening to the Wednesday Till I Die podcast. Hello and welcome to the Up View. This is where I speak to a fan from our upcoming opponents to get the lowdown on their team, their form, uh, and players to watch, and of course, nail them down to a score prediction at the end. Uh, this weekend, we head to Sinsel Bank to take on Lincoln City in the Skybet League One. And I'm delighted to say that joining me this week is Gary from Stacey West. Uh, Gary, mate, how are you? You all right? I'm very well, thank you, my friend. Thank you for having me on again. No problem. It's uh, it's good stuff. Uh, we'll get straight into it then. Um, for, before before we start talking about this season and obviously the upcoming game this weekend, um, let's talk about your manager for for a little little moment. Now, uh, Michael Appleton, someone who Darren Moore will uh, will know well from his time at West Brom uh, at the end of uh, Michael's playing career. Um, when he was appointed, what what was your initial reaction? to that and how do you feel he's done since he took over back in 2019 Gary? Um, I feel like talking about it at the moment I'm almost I'm almost on the hook a little bit with with some of our fans it feels I know it's not you but you know when I've asked about Michael a lot of the time fans are, are kind of fishing uh, for me to say something negative which I won't and um, I was delighted when he was originally appointed I was writing for a website called Football League World at the time um, and I had to do an article three managers Lincoln should appoint at the time Gareth Ainsworth was one um, Mickey Flynn at uh, Newport was the other and I had I went for Appleton. I'd heard a podcast that not the top 20 guys did where he was talking to George Ellick and he'd turned down her burning job and just really liked the way he spoke. I liked his ethos. When he first came in, it was very tough because he had to take over Danny Cowell, his, 
kind of successful in I think he, when he came in we'd, we'd just lost to Wickham again that if we'd won we would have been top of the league so yeah it, I think with managers it's actually not that difficult to go into a struggling side because the only way is up yeah. so you look at the guy that's gone in at Doncaster he's got a couple of wins they're awful by the way but he's got a couple of wins so everyone goes oh he's done a great job since he's yeah. come in same with the good Neil Harris at Gillingham couldn't be any worse whereas if you're Michael Appleton and you're coming into a team like Danny Cowley's team that's won three trophies in four years the most successful period yeah three, three trophies in three years sorry most successful period in the club's history in terms of silverware where do you go from there so he had a tough job um and in his, his first full season, in my opinion, he excelled. He took us to the playoff final in League One, where uh, we were obviously 90 minutes away from, from the championship. We were 1-0 up early doors. We've been there we, with the, you know, the whole Wembley heartbreak and everything. <laughs> we would have, and the thing is, we would have gone up um, that season had we not suffered injuries in the second half of the season. We lost Tom Hopper, who was our leading number nine, for, for two or three months. We lost Liam Bridcup for two or three months. We missed George Grant, our leading scorer. And all of them were out at the same time. So um, a real victim of circumstance. Then this year, things are very different. The wage cap has obviously been lifted. Lots of big players in this division, coupled with some transfer, uh, some of our players coming in, some of the transfers that haven't really worked out, loan players, you know, surprisingly not reaching the levels of Brennan Johnston, who's now worth 20 million and Morgan Rogers, who somebody paid 4 million for before he even came to us. You know, we've got players in who are you know, hit and miss. So lots of people calling for Michael's head at the minute. Uh, unfortunately, um, lots of kind of anti Michael Appleton sentiment. I'm not on board with it. Say so we weather the storm um, and hopefully retain league one status and go again next season. Yeah, I mean, it comes to my next point, really. Obviously, you know, it's your third consecutive season in League One. I mean, only 10 years ago, you were you were in what is now the National League, um, you know, non-league football. So I suppose, yeah, you're, you're trying to remain level-headed and thinking, look where we've come from. And, you know, I, I suppose, like, yeah, to get in the Championship would be a, a, a huge achievement, wouldn't it? But League One, the size of the club is probably like... I don't want to say it's where you should be. I don't. I don't want to mean. I don't want to mean disrespectful by that. But you know, you've got to. You've got to be realistic sometimes, aren't you? Hundred percent. I appreciate you being diplomatic there, but you're quite right. For a club like Lincoln City, League One stability and and, and um, kind of consolidation is is really what we all dreamed of when we were going away to Salisbury or getting tanked at home by Woking and Welling. You kind of looked at League One and thought, imagine being a League One club. You know, occasionally getting at the time a Leicester or a Forest or a Wolves coming. Down. Well, we are. We're getting a Sheffield Wednesday or a Sunderland or an Ipswich coming down. And I think it's easy to sometimes lose sight of that. And as a football fan, I think, one, you can't live in the past, but two, you also have to kind of put things into context. And you know, we're not doing particularly well this season. But as you say, League One or the third tier is probably you know, the height of our achievements, certainly since 1961, we dropped out of the second division. And I think there's only been two periods in our history that I can think of where we've spent three or more years in this division that was 1976 through to 79 when we were relegated and then i think we were promoted in uh, 81 and relegated in 86 so they're the only times that we've spent you know unbroken periods at this level so for me now it's about consolidation i think there are four worst teams than us in this division i think there are seven or eight worst teams than us in this division um but unfortunately football is like a, a book, isn't it? If you read a book and you've got four good chapters, then you read a bad chapter, it sours the whole book. And, you know, if you win four or five games, but then you start putting in bad performances, it sours the 
all season and you're only as good as your last defeat unfortunately yeah i mean we're exactly the same i mean we was last in the in the top flight what 1999 so it was a long long time ago and still some people think that we're, we're a premier league club and in reality you know you'd say mid-table championship club at best like in recent years like you know we've been down you know we've had a bit of a brief hiatus when we were you know got to the playoff final but yeah we're in the same boat there's the sections of the fan base which still think that we are we should be you know in the top flight now i'm not you know we are a big club and and that's where we aspire to be but sometimes with some of the decisions that are made you have to you have to kind of think well we are like at the moment we are in league one we are shopping in the freeze and loan market for our players so you get what you can you get what you can get now your recent form it's not great although i think i've been kind by by saying that three consecutive defeats against the teams that are around you as well well in gillingham and doncaster obviously defeat to bolton as well you know you find yourself 18th in the league, I mean, how would you describe that run of that run of games? I mean, the two before that was a a draw, uh, and then you did get a win against Morecambe. Um, the reason why I ask that is sometimes you get beat, but you've played well. For example, we played Rotherham and got beat two 0 but we should really have won that game. To be fair, so um, is that the same case for yourself, or have there been poor defeats? I'll come to Gillingham in a minute because that's different kettle fish altogether. Um, Bolton. I like XG. I, I, I like looking at XG stats because to me it gives you an idea of how you've done. Bolton, it should have been 2-2 on XG. We've missed two sitters. We've gifted them a couple of goals. I thought we were good enough to take something from the game. Doncaster, they had one box entry the entire game, which was a shot that we that one of our players handballed for the penalty they scored from. 70% possession, utterly dominant. Didn't create lots of chances but again XG suggested we should have scored between two and three goals um, I'll, I'll come back to Gillingham but the draw with Wickham yeah I think that's a great draw because Wickham are big they're physical they, you know, the ball spends so much time up in the air a great reason not to employ Gareth Ainsworth as your manager you know, as, as much as a hero he is I would hate to watch it every week good results uh, beat Morecambe you know I'm going back into January beat Oxford beat Sunderland beat Plymouth so we've got it in us Um I think we've had two games where I've seen us thoroughly uh, outclassed. Uh, one game, sorry, where we've been thoroughly outclassed, which was Portsmouth, uh, and one game where we've been absolutely, utterly diabolical. And for me, that was Gillingham. Um, Gillingham kind of do what we can do, as I'm yeah. sure you know, but they don't yep. do it as well, uh, and they're, they're not quite as subtle with it. Uh, all they kept, all they did was pump it forward. Lincoln's problem is we can't break down teams that come to Sinselbank for a draw. So Gillingham came for the draw it was 10 men behind the ball the day all over up front you know he's sharpening his elbows while we're having 50 60 70 percent possession and then the one time they fire it through to him awful goal to concede absolutely awful with architects of our own downfall so there's a real concern now because we we you know, fans have forgotten what it's like to beat the good teams and that's what we've been doing let's not forget we 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 went and we won at Wickham as I say we've beaten Sunderland we drew with Rotherham at our place we've beaten Oxford um, at our place we've had some great away wins Plymouth is another one MK Dons we played them twice let in five goals scored three I think we should have won both those games as well but when you've then lost to Doncaster and you've lost, we've also, let's not forget, lost to Morecambe this season, Crew this season. We've lost to the bad teams and they are bad teams. Um, so this is a real test for us because it's the first time where it's, you know, the first time in a, in a while where a team's coming to Central Bank who are going to go for the win. You know, you're knocking in just into the top six, as I understand. Um, 
playing good football, lots of good players. We're rubbing our hands with glee. Oh, you know, thank God for that. I hope that your <laughs> full-backs do bomb on. I hope that your centre-backs do push forward. Because if you do, we might actually get something instead of just watching four or five red and white shirts passing in front of an 18-yard area just packed full of, of essentially League 2 defenders because that's what they'll all be next season, Gillingham, Doncaster. I must admit, yeah, that, that's one thing that when we've come down to this this level league one football it's almost like the premier league in that there's a there is a gulf in in class between the teams at the top that that do play attractive football and then yeah the teams at the bottom that like you said just come for a draw and and do play ugly horrible football which is not not very nice to watch i mean i mean is there a reason for that for that drop in form is it just you've like you just said come up against teams that you just can't break down Possibly, yeah, possibly. And look, just to clarify, like the ugly football, we did it. Yeah, that's how we got out on league football with Danny Cowley. That's what we did when we were last promoted to League One under John Beck. So I'm not, you know, I'm not going to be snobby about it. I don't yeah. like the way Gillingham do it because I don't like the way their fans are as well. But with Wickham, hats off to them. They, yeah, I couldn't watch it every week, but there we go. Um, yeah, the, uh, we can't break teams down. We don't have the inventiveness. I think that. We struggled before Christmas because we had significant injuries. Lots of players are coming back now. And unfortunately, the ones that we're picking are not hitting the form that they should have been hitting. So Morgan Whitaker, for instance, came in on loan from Swansea, scored on his debut. We're all looking at him thinking, oh, finally, somebody who's going to make runs and beat players. Don't think he's done anything since. John Marquis came in, three goals in three games. Fantastic striker that we've been you know, crying out for. He's now missed three sitters in two games and it's back to, you know, oh, he was a rubbish signing at Insight's a great thing. Um, we massively miss Liam Bridcut, and he's our probably he's the only player I think at the moment out injured, um, kind of long term, not coming back till the end of this month. And and everything hinges hinges on him. And we don't have an awful lot of central midfield players. Um, so Conor McGrandles plays in front of the back four. If he's joined by Max Sanders in front of the back four, then we have the stability. But we instead we're trying to go creativity, so we're almost going kind of a four-one almost like a 4-1-5 I mean it's not it's a 4-1-2-3 or whatever but yeah. Chris Maguire playing an advanced role as a striker and we're kind of overloading areas and if you know the best teams in the world if you put 20 players between the 18 yard line and the goal there's not going to be any great football played because there's no space nothing like that so really really hopeful that that will change this weekend um, not convinced but hopeful yeah, I mean, before we touch on, like, I mean, you already have kind of touched on the, the playing style and formation. I just want to talk about a few players. You have mentioned a few already there. I mean, I've picked out Chris Maguire for obvious reasons. Obviously, he's a player that we know we know quite well. I mean, he's made 24 appearances for this season. He's four goals and five assists. I mean, he must be a, a key player for you, not only for the goal contributions, but also the shit hours really that he can that he can do as well. I'm so pleased that you said that because I was going to say I'm not going to swear on your podcast. <laughs> Um, he scored four goals, three of them against Sunderland um, in one game when he's got a point to prove to the manager. So you're then down to one goal mm. for a meaningful goal from Chris Maguire. And I, I might be wrong, but I think he scored against Carlisle in the Mickey Mouse trophy as well. Um, and although we were talking about assists, I, I can't remember them. Um, <laughs> the issue I've got with Chris Maguire is one, he's turned up on one occasion when he's got much more ability. And two, he's directing some of that shithousery at the fans at the minute. And that I can't abide. After we got knocked out of the FA Cup by Hartlepool, and that was an awful result. Don't get me wrong. We absolutely battered him for 90 minutes and lost 1-0. Um, he was involved in an altercation with fans. 
once I can, once I can handle that once because it shows passion coming off the pitch against Gillingham on Saturday is involved in another altercation with fans. And I think you've got to have a degree of humility. And if you're the sort of character that's going to get on the player's skins, it's going to wind them up. You've got to have a connection with the fans who's the harp you're doing it on. Because otherwise, if you're not liked and you're doing those, you're doing these antics, throwing yourself on the floor, pretending you've been hurt, trying to wind players up, fans are just going to look at you and go, do you know what, mate, you're a knob. And when you're only delivering you know, a hat-trick against Sunderland, you only play when it's personal to you. I want to see players that play when it matters to everybody. So undoubtedly talented, but for me, not the right character. Yeah, I mean, another one you've mentioned him, John Marquis. I've, I've, you've kind of took the words out of my mouth. I said he got three goals in three games and then he's gone off the boil a little bit. But but still, he's a, still a great signing because, you know, he, he's proven that he can that he can score goals. Is he just not getting the service at the moment? Or well, he said he's missed some sitters, so he's clearly getting the service. You just can't put him away. Yeah, he's missed a couple of sitters. He missed, um, he missed two against Bolton. Um, one where, to be fair, he's 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 hung around, he's seized on the chance, one on one with a keeper can't beat him, and then you know one game Maguire's come in and put the picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order mug delivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. He bound over the bar and then told Marquis it's his fault. Um, he's then missed a great header. He's done the same against uh, good chance against Gillingham. I like him because he is one and it's, it gets under my skin when people, when fans criticise players for not applauding the fans. But then at the same time, I like to see it. And Marquis has kind of built a quick bond with the supporters. Uh, he works incredibly hard as well. And um, now we've got Tom Hopper back. It's it, it's kind of we have got options. But I think on the basis of the last two or three games, if you'd say to me, you know, has he been one of your key players? Probably not. Um, probably had a couple of his poorest games over the last couple of weeks. But then, arguably, everybody has. Didn't really turn up against Doncaster because uh, his former club. If only Chris McGuire had played for them, maybe we would have beat them three or four one. So. Um, we've got an we've got so many options now up front, mm. but it's hard to pick one that you can say that player is going to do well. Like Anthony Scully, brilliant in the first half of the season, almost disappeared second half of the season. Well, Joe, you know Liam I Cullen, was, Swansea was, fans said he's going to score. I was going to say to you, sorry, I was going to say to you there. I picked yeah. I picked two players out to watch, and you've you've kind of said that they're not the ones. I was going to say my third one. I'm 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 pinning my hopes on this one, but you know you've just you've just pissed on the bonfire on that one because my third one was Anthony Scully but you've, <laughs> you've said again that he's he's gone off the boil somewhat again <laughs> yeah he has I, I like schools I like him he's, he's he's a lovely lovely lad he's a great guy I mean he was on fire at the beginning of the season he's one that thrives with space he's one that never stops running and trying but again he's he's not one to create something when he's got players in front of him I mean he's only young isn't he? one... he's what 22 years old yeah. you know he's, he's yeah. 8 goals 7 assists this season he's not having a bad season I mean he got 11 goals last season for you as well so he's, um, he's he, he, on the face of it you know obviously me looking at uh, looking at your squad he certainly looks like one that, uh, that has got an eye for goal and not only that he can he say he don't create much but his stats say, uh, say otherwise yeah, I mean, I think it's eight goals and seven assists. Um, I think before October, <laughs> you know, bar one or two, I, I bear in mind he got he got three goals and two assists away at Cambridge when we beat him five one. And he, when I say he doesn't create much, what I mean is he doesn't have have 
the drop of the shoulder and the pace to go. You know, if you play a ball over the top and he's got a pacey fullback, the fullback catches him up. Um, he is inventive. He does try. He is young. He's schooled at West Ham. That's where we got him from. And he kind of has that kind of that West Ham philosophy. So I, I do really like him. And on his day, he's, he's, he's a really exciting player. And I think I've just become numb to not play him particularly well whenever we go forward. But at the moment, he does link up down the left nicely with Cohen Bramwell, so he, he could be a danger. Yeah, and I know what you mean by that. I mean, we, we as fans, obviously, Barry Bannon, someone who everyone talks about and, and we're the same. Like, we expect so much of him, like, when he's just not quite, you know, providing those high standards. We, we think that he's not good enough, but in reality, he's still even on an off day, he's still far better than any other any of the players on the pitch. So yeah, we 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 fall foul of that as well. Go on then, I've picked three out that aren't really ones to watch. Who, who are we need? Well, well, pick one out that we do need to watch out for then, Gary. Um, you know that's a really really difficult task. I'm going to pick two out. Go on, I'm going to pick two out, and I'm doing it with a view to the being space to run into. So I'm going to pick Cohen Bramble. Now, uh, Cohen Bramble is a left back who defensively is a little suspect but he's the quickest footballer I genuinely I've ever seen when he gets going. I mean, he is lightning fast. Um, everybody thought he would leave us in the transfer window. Uh, he cost us three points against Cheltenham with a woeful defensive header, like defending rather than heading it out, heading it back to the penalty spot for them to score. In recent weeks, he's got a couple of goals. Um, he, he gets down the line. He links up well with Scully. Uh, not technically the greatest player, but one that can cause trouble. Uh, and I'm also going to pick out the Loney, Brook Norton, Cuffey that we've got on loan from Arsenal. Uh, big, rangy, kind of leggy player. Reminds me a little bit, and I, I don't know how old your average listener is, but it reminds me a bit of Paolo Wanchop. Oh, yeah. um, used to play for Derby, Costa Rican. Like he's, he's just got, he never seems to have control of himself or the ball, but somehow beats players, rates, strides forward. Uh, Arsenal have got big hopes for him. He came in as right back cover uh, and has has more or less been ever present since. Uh, he's on our website. We do player ratings, and he's won our fans' player of the month uh, for for February for his first four months. So they play right back and left back. Uh, if they get some space, then maybe we might create something, uh, and that's probably where our biggest danger comes from. Yeah. Now, in terms of your talk, like playing style and, and formation, uh, I know you. You say you play a back four and then you almost play with no strikers at some times. I mean, how would you describe how you how you do like to play? Yeah, well, we've switched it up a little bit recently. So last time you and you and I spoke, um, I, I, again, we were struggling for, for strikers. Uh, at the minute, we play a variation of 4-3-3. So always four at the back, usually one in front of the back four. Um, I prefer to see two, so I call them double fours, but usually just Conor McGrandall's in front of the back four. Then with two uh, attacking midfielders ahead of him, one of which is Chris Maguire, and then a, a three across the front. Um, Saturday, I think we went 4-4-2. It was very, very hard to tell. It was so just disjointed. It actually looked like we'd got one on the right, two on the left. Uh, so I, I don't really know, but it will be a variation of 4-3-3. Of Unless Michael goes for it, and if he goes for it, it'll be, you know, probably a variation of either four four two or four two four, depending on how you look at it. Yeah. Now, um, going back to earlier on in the season when you came to Hillsborough, obviously it was a one one draw. For us, it was such a frustrating game. I mean, that that was in the in the midst of the the time where we couldn't buy a win. We were just getting draw after draw after draw. 
I mean, how did you um, kind of see that game and from, from from your perspective? We came away utterly delighted um, because, as we touched on at the top of the podcast, Sheffield Greens are a big club. And whether, you know, you kind of, you said mid-table championship, in my mind, I'm still stuck in an older mindset. Sheffield Wednesday, you know, founder members of the Premier League or whatever. I've got David Hurst, Chris Waddle, Johnny Sheridan. That's me growing up. So for me, Sheffield Wednesday are a big club who are punching below their weight. Um, and, And for a lot of our fans, it was seen as the same. And I think when you look at your squad, yeah, really good squad on paper. I mean, Barry Bannon shouldn't be playing in League One. It's a joke. He's a bit Player of a cheat code in this league, isn't he? He is, yeah. He is a cheat code, exactly that. And I, I mean, I remember writing when, a couple of years ago when um, you had the, uh, was it the Dutch manager? Was it the Hacky or, or something like that, his name? Yeah, Jos, um, Jos Bannon was like being... Luca, that's it. And he, Leo Bannon was being linked with 10 million moves here and big moves there. And now I'm sat watching him battle, you know, like the boy that we signed on a free transfer from Brighton or whatever in midfield. It's, it's ridiculous. So, yeah, we kind of, we, we came not with the little club mentality, but with the mentality of get someone from this game and it'll be good. Um, didn't I didn't think we were brilliant. I didn't think either side were brilliant um, on the day, but it was a hard-fought draw and we came away from that kind of, buzzing a little bit um yeah i mean you you look at the um we've kind of changed our style of play a little bit we've gone a bit more direct we try we tried to play you know tiki tacky football earlier on in the season which worked for the first three or four games and then we got a bit found out and you know found that this division's a lot harder than what we first uh, first thought i said we do try and go a bit a bit more direct injuries haven't helped us I think we've got, well, at one point we had 11 players out injured a couple of weeks ago. Some are coming back now, which is uh, which is good. But the team was almost like picking itself, not through playing well, but just through the fact that that's the only players that we had. But that's kind of worked for us in that, you know, those players have have, uh, have stepped up. I mean, I look, I'm looking at the stats now and, and in that game, you had the... Well, shaded the possession. I know possession doesn't mean everything, but you know it was it, it was a an even game. But it was I say it was one that we uh, we were left frustrated just just through the fact that you know we'd gone ahead and it was it was also one of the the run of like conceding goals in the last ten minutes as well, which uh, which is never never normally uh, good. Now, um, just wanted to look to touch on your expectations as well, not just for for Saturday, but also for the season. Now, what Obviously, finished fifth last last season. I'm sure your expectations wasn't to be battling relegation this season. But how how have they changed from the start of the season to to what you expect now? I at the start of the season, I, I didn't expect us to be in the playoffs, and a lot of our supporters did. And I think I was tipping us for for tenth or eleventh at the time. I just felt there was too much transition. Um, the lone players, obviously, that I've touched on, the Morgan Rogers and Brad. And Johnson's were superb, but losing George Grant, who went to Peterborough, losing Teo Eden early doors, who went to Blackburn, a you know, phenomenal left back who really grew. So for me, uh, my expectation was either bottom of the top off or top of the bottom half, you know, that kind of mid range. Um, didn't expect to be where we are. Had we not had the uh, terrible run of injuries before Christmas, I think we'd probably be four or five points better off. We might be a, in a Charlton position now rather than where we are course the season my expectations sink every day uh, and right now if somebody said we'll write the season off you can have fifth from bottom I would and there is that feeling because Lincoln fans have two big relegations in my time supporting Lincoln came in 1987 uh, which was my first season I'm not that particularly old um, and 2011 and in both of those seasons 
we hadn't really been in trouble up until the last game. So in 1987, we hadn't been bottom of the table. There was only one relegation spot. We hadn't been bottom of the table all season. we knocking on the door of the top seven at Christmas. We were relegated 2011. We only needed one point from our last 11 games. We were relegated. We didn't get the one point. We lost 11 on the bounce. So Lincoln fans have that kind of, oh, here we go again. You know, there's that, there's a yeah. mean that, that here we go again mean. So, you know, that's my expectation is to finish fifth from bottom. And if, if that's, I, I would like we've got I think we've got Accrington penultimate game of the season away I'd like to be going to that game not fearing relegation that's my only hope and yeah. just to be able to kind of get in fancy dress have a few beers and go sod it yeah so going looking ahead to Saturday then obviously when we make the the relatively short trip to Sinsall Bank now um, I, I, before we like talk about the game we've got a run of what seven fixtures where I think all the teams are down near the bottom, your likes of Crew, AFC Wimbledon, uh, yourselves. Uh, obviously, we've just we've just played Doncaster. Uh, I think we uh, there's a few others that we play that are, that are down there. Most of our I put a tweet out the other the other day saying how many points from these next. Uh, I think at the time it was uh, I think it was seven uh, seven games, and most people were saying you know we we need. Like nineteen, twenty, no, nineteen, twenty-one points out, out of those. Some, but people were saying that the potential banana skin could be Lincoln this uh, this weekend, where we could where we could slip up. Now, um, so we, you know, we do see it as a tough game. Most of our games are at home coming up. I think we, only, I think we go to Gillingham and we go to Lincoln. So you know, we are a little bit cautious, despite where you are in the in the league. But how do you see um, this Saturday coming up now? Like I just said, we're going to come and try and go for the win. You know, no shadow of a doubt. You know, we've just beaten Burton five two um, with seven wins in eight games. So obviously we're high on confidence. But you know, how how do you see Saturday shaping up? I think Wednesday fans have got a, a right to be cautious about this fixture because um, I think if you roll up and you play a Cambridge or an Accrington now, we're a, a kind of stranded in mid-table with very little to play for. Um, it's more likely that the team that need the points get the points. I think if you're if you're turning up at a Doncaster or a Gillingham, particularly the likes of Gillingham that are going to fight, fight, fight for everything, you know, they're going to be really tough games. And the, and the league table, I think, doesn't mean quite as much as you go into these final stages. Um, with that in mind, Probably it is a game that looks on paper a little bit more challenging. Um, if the Lincoln City turn up that beat Sunderland, for instance, or uh, the Lincoln City that, that did a number at going up to Plymouth and beat Oxford, then we've got a chance. Then it will be a tough game. We do play the tick attacker, but we haven't changed our formation. We haven't we haven't changed our approach. Like it hasn't worked. So we've gone into the next game and gone. Oh, let's see if it works again. Uh, and that's kind of been what we've done through the season. That's Michael's philosophy. It's how he plays football. If it doesn't win, he just does it the same the next week. Last year, it got us to within 90 minutes of the championship. This year, it's got us within five points of the relegation spots. Um, so it'll be really, really interesting. If if he's been able to pick the players up from what was a, a woeful home, home performance, the worst home performance I've seen at Cincinnati Bank in five years since we were losing to Woking and teams like that. If you can pick them up from that and motivate the players, it could be a challenge. Uh, it could be a challenge. First goal, hugely crucial. Whoever gets the, if we get the first goal, confidence comes, fans get behind, then it'll be tough. You get the first goal, fans will get on the players' backs. Could be a massacre. Yeah. Well, uh, I'll, I'll try and nail it down to a score prediction then, Gary. I know you hate doing these like most people do, but uh, how, do you see it, how do you see it going? Let's go with your head and your heart because they could be different. 
Yeah, they are different. Everybody beats us 1-0 um, in a minute, Everybody or 1-0 or 2-0. Uh, everybody scores against us. We've kept two clean sheets in the league all season. One of them was 0-0 at Doncaster. My head says 2-0 Wednesday. My heart says that we can we can go for a draw, but it'd be a score draw, so I'd go one all. Fantastic. Gary, just before you go, where can where can we find you on the socials and your website, etc.? You can find me at stacywest.net, uh, where there will soon be an article about the last time we beat you at Central Bank, which will be great for your guys to read, uh, Jack Charlton as manager. Uh, so stacywest.net, uh, we do do a podcast, but I don't think it'll be of that much interest because it is basically just me and my mate moaning about Lincoln. So. <laughs> no, no problem. Well, when you've done that article, if you want to uh, send it me, I'll certainly, uh, I'll certainly post it out there. Some people might, uh, might want to have a read of that, that Gary. Sam, thank you very much. Great stuff. Gary, thank you very much. And uh, hopefully, um, well, you stay up this season, but uh, hopefully we take the three points off you this weekend. <laughs> yeah, cheers. <laughs> cheers. <laughs> days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com botox cosmetic out botulinum toxin a fda approved for over 20 years so talk to your specialist to see if botox cosmetic is right for you for full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.